Welcome back to Left, Right, and In Between, a political podcast for teens and everyone by teens. Today I have with me Delia Yadigar, who is a incoming college freshman, which is really cool, <laughs> which is really <laughs> weird to say. Um, thank you so much for being here. I'm really excited. Of course. Yay. Um, so today I kind of want to start with some of the topics that have been going on this week and through the past week, some things that are kind of relevant to teens, but also just relevant in the moment. So I think that one of the biggest things that's been happening right now is Portland and federal intervention in Portland. So just tell me, like, what's your opinion on everything that's going on in Portland right now? Um... I should preface everything by saying that I'm an idiot, so just take everything I see with a grain of salt. That's just, that's for the whole episode. No, um, for Portland, it's it's absolutely baffling. Like, okay, because, you know, Trump is setting, sending in federal troops that are, they're, they're in unmarked vans, they're in full camo gear, they have weapons on them, there have been people hospitalized from this, um, they're they're taking people and throwing them into these vans and driving them off. And there have been so many stories of these people just, you know, they're being tied up with zip ties. They're just like the protesters were before. They're being denied water. They're being denied PPE. They're being denied any basic human rights. Um, and the they have no identification on them. And they're not charging them, which if you don't know is illegal. It is illegal to take people and not charge them and just drive them off to random places and drop them off in the middle of the night. I mean, it's ridiculous. And it I can't is ridiculous. There, there are people bending over backwards to try and defend this. It's, oh, well, these protesters are, they're sieging the city and they're, they're destroying everything and they're setting everything on fire. Like, what? That doesn't make any sense. Even if they were, it's still unlawful to take them and drive them off in the middle of the night. No, I agree. I totally agree. It's just the fact that, like, to me, it just feels authoritarian, and it feels, Mm -hmm. like, almost right out of, like, one of those dystopian, horrible government um, novels, where they, like, (laughs) where they have, like, horrible police forces and everything, because it's, like, the fact that, yes, there are some violent protesters in Portland, and the fact that we have, just the fact that even if they were violent in general, the mayor has said himself that the fact that, that you're involving federal troops that are so violent in themselves, that's just going to make it, make the protesters more violent, and it's just going to make them want to protest mm-hmm. more, and it's not going to help with anything. Just the reason I think Trump is doing this is because he wants to, you know, take attention elsewhere and to show that, like, oh, he's restoring law and order by bringing in his own police force but like people didn't even know who they were when it started mm-hmm. this yeah, is i it, mean it, it's it's borderline fascism and nobody I wants know. to talk <laughs> about it nobody here's the thing people are so and this applies to a lot of stuff it's like people will get more offended at being called racist than act like actual racism it's the same thing people will be more offended if you call it fascism than worrying about the actual implications of fascist policy genuine i keep saying things like it's baffling it's ridiculous it really really is it's just astounding people do this in other countries and people lose their minds over it they're like oh they're being denied civil liberties they're being denied human rights they do it in this country oh well he's just restoring justice i know i know sense. it's crazy and and they blame it all on the protesters because it's all them being violent and destroying government property and 
um, they would tear gas pretty much anyone. And what I found even more baffling was they was did you hear about the wall of moms mm-hmm. with those just these moms that were like, we want you to go to, to leave. We don't want any federal intervention here. And they would tear gas these innocent moms that were mm-hmm. not even doing anything like they weren't they weren't burning anything down. They weren't, you know, sieging or whatever. It was just it's uh, it just feels like feels like it's just so not needed and so just an attention grabber so it can get caught on television so Trump can seem like he's for his followers like he's helping everything and when he's not and he also wants to send federal troops to like other places like Seattle um you know all these places that he thinks have horrible violent protests when they really don't Mm -hmm. I mean first of all those moms and it was also grandmas and dads and like just Mm -hmm. they they came out and they identified themselves as moms and dads and grandmas so they could seem more peaceful because they're just you Mm -hmm. know family people which was a really good idea and they were all linking arms and they were holding signs they were chanting and like they weren't doing anything and I mean this whole thing of them tear-gassing anyone being violent towards anyone it's a common theme I mean people have been talking about this ever since the protests started cops and federal troops will literally like there are videos of them pushing bikers to the ground there are videos of them just beating up random people it's they have their minds dead set on violence and any any even like the tiniest fraction they'll they'll jump they'll pounce they're ready to beat up anyone and anything and if you like move they'll hit you it's it's terrifying it's absolutely terrifying yeah and you've you protested right during mm-hmm. um yeah so how like how does this make you feel as someone who got out there and protested for black lives matter um would it, if, if if this was happening here would you you'd probably be terrified right oh yeah I haven't been to uh, any protests recently. I went to one like a month and a half ago mm-hmm. and that one, they had this group of cops that were um, like driving around and continuing to follow us as we were protesting. Cause our protest was a march that went from like Northridge over to um, this courthouse. Um, and those cops didn't do anything. And the protest I went to is relatively peaceful because I went during the day. And usually those are the ones that stay peaceful. Yeah. And um, I remember when we sat outside the courthouse, there were, um, listen, I'm not, I don't know what they were. I think they might have been cops, but they were wearing like camo. Um, and they came out and they started like taking guns out. And we were just sitting. We were literally sitting and there was an yeah. activist talking about um, solutions to police violence. And she was just talking about how we need to have more community solutions, things like that. We were just sitting and listening to her talk. And as we were listening to her talk, they started coming out with these guns and they were holding them towards the ground. And it's just, I mean, I don't get it. I don't get, what, did they think we were gonna seize the courthouse? We were just sitting there listening to her talk. And here's the thing, it's the militarization of police that's the most terrifying. I mean, it is scary to see, like, police with big, those, like, I mean, like, Portland, just seeing, I mean, they're federal police, but just seeing them with, like, big, Mm -hmm. like, uh, guns that aren't, like, you know, the normal little handheld guns that police have, that's just terrifying. (laughs) There's, there's no reason for gun, uh, for police to have those massive automatic guns or, or tanks. There are police stations that have tanks because we're just giving them military equipment willy-nilly and here's the thing they're not trained for that sort of stuff and listen again i'm not a person that you know owns i don't own guns i don't intend to own guns um at any point in the future so i don't know the exact names but i remember i did some research into this a couple months ago and um they're 
there are police stations across the US that are applying to the federal government and saying, oh, we need tanks. We need uh, these massive guns. We need to have riot gear. We need to have rubber bullets. We need to have like, um, you know, things that they don't, they absolutely don't need. And it's because we give the police so much responsibility, they feel like the entire world is up to get them because we don't have, you know, diversified community solutions. We don't have, you know, good, um, resources for mental health issues. We don't have resources for, you know, nonviolent crimes. All we have is the police and we shove everything onto the police and then what they feel like they're in danger and any second somebody's going to kill them. So they feel like they need to have these guns. They need to have these massive tanks. They need to be, you know, fully armed and ready to fight the crazy violent mobs at any given moment. But that's the, there aren't any crazy violent mobs out to get them usually. I just, usually. But. Usually. I mean, there are people, obviously, that have expressed dislike towards the police recently because of how violent they've been in this in the light of the Black Lives Matter protests when we've mm-hmm. seen police just do so many acts of brutality against African Americans and then just against protesters in general. But... Yeah, I feel like that's just so absurd that, I mean, we already give so much money to the police in general, which is one of the reasons people want to defund the police. And mm-hmm. when I was talking to my guests last week, they had different opinions on defunding the police, but I just tried to tell them that, well, defunding the police isn't necessarily taking the police away. Mm-hmm. It's more just get, getting new people in, getting people taking money away so they don't get those massive tanks. I feel like that is terrifying that we have to have police roaming around in tanks because that like like I said before it just feels like it's right out of like a dystopian novel. <laughs> like you don't you know if you see a police in a tank you're like well this just feels like an authoritarian government. Like <laughs> yeah. they don't need that much power. <laughs> mm-hmm. I feel like the people that like are the ones that you know they, they support the police and they have those um the thin blue line flags, they should be the number one people supporting defunding of the police because that means that the police have less to handle. It means that we're taking burdens that they don't need off of them, like especially with mental health because police are not trained to handle mental health. Big shocker, I know. But if we yeah. like have different community solutions, if we have different organizations, different resources, if we have a certain area for mental health resources, then the police won't need to handle things that they don't know how to handle, you know? And that's taking like excess burdens off of the police. I don't see how that could possibly be a bad thing. And um, I know that a lot of the people that say, oh, well, you, you know, we can't defund the police because that's, you know, stripping people of their livelihoods. Like, no, it's not. They're still going to have jobs. There are people calling for abolishing the police. There are people that believe we need to completely uh, tear apart the police and then rebuild because of the sy- systematic, you know, history of the police and how they over police yeah communities of color and just basically the history and how it's influenced the modern day policing system. There are people saying that we need to tear down police stations and rebuild them from the ground up, things like that. Um, But as of right now, that's abolishing. Defunding is completely separate and defunding is something that I think everybody should support. I'm not, nobody's asking people to support abolishing the police because I understand that that's like a bit, you know, further and it's going to take a little longer to get there. But defunding, like that's, it's a fairly simple concept. No, I agree. <laughs> opinion. You know, it's not taking away the police. Like you said, it's not abolishing the police completely. It's just taking money away and putting it where it needs to be and trying to get them the training that they need. The 
it's good for people to understand that concept so we don't immediately jump to, oh, we need police because of violence and, you know, all these sort of things. Yeah, there was a really interesting thing that happened. Uh, did you hear about the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, Chaz? I, uh... So it was this area in, I believe, Oregon, and it was called Chaz or Chap, depending on where you were hearing about it. And it was this area that got blocked off and it was blocked off by protesters and police and um, like nobody was allowed in, especially police. And they tried to do like uh, this, I don't know, commune, I guess, like a neo okay. commune. And so they had like gardens, they had, you know, businesses were still in operation. People were just, you know going about their day-to-day -day lives, except police weren't allowed in. And so what they did was they formed their own little sort of militia, I guess, is I okay. think what you call it. And what happened was uh, two people, oh my, I think I, I might need to Google this. I think two people died and one person was seriously injured because they wouldn't let police in. Because uh, the first situation, somebody got shot and killed okay. by the... Um, by the militia. And the second situation, two people were shot, one person died and one person was in serious condition. And that's, you know, when we say defund the police or abolish the police, we're not saying that police or some form of policing isn't necessary. That's the thing. I feel like that's where most yes, I agree. comes from. Nobody's saying that we want people from the community with no training to walk around with guns and try to solve problems on their own because vigil vigilante justice usually ends up bad. Nobody's saying that we can operate in a society without police at all. We do need to have police that are trained. That's all we're saying. It's when we take money away that you know they don't need, we give it to other resources and we make sure that they get the training that they absolutely need. They need to know how to operate guns. They don't need tanks and they don't need rifles, but they need to know how to operate the guns that they do use. And they do need to learn how to protect the community, not beat them up. It's still important to try and keep uh, pressing this idea of defunding the police so we can feel safer around the police. You know, that's, that's what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to make us feel safe if there's, but you know, when people, when there's a, a large group of people in our society that's just afraid of the police because of what they can do, then I feel like that's just taking away the meaning of the police. Mm -hmm. So that's what we need to try to fix. We'll move on to our second topic, which is okay. not necessarily relevant to teens, but also kind of relevant because eventually we are going to be voters. I know you, you are 17, right? Mm -hmm. So eventually you'll be able to vote. Um, and eventually, and who knows how long, because I'm a baby, um, <laughs> I'll be able to vote as well. But what, it, what are your opinions on the Electoral College? Um, okay, so I um, just finished my junior year and um, I took APUSH, which mm -hmm. I think you'll be taking too. And I you learn be. about the Electoral College in APUSH and the reason that it was founded and the reason that people, you know, wanted the Electoral College. And it was so that um, it's because the founders of America thought that too much democracy would be a bad thing because they thought that, you know, people would sort of fall into this herd mentality Mm -hmm. And they would just vote, you know, without educating themselves as to, you know, who the candidates were, what their policies were. And so what they did was they thought, okay, well, we will have them vote and everybody can vote, but their votes will go towards a representative. And that representative will be someone who's more skilled, who's more knowledgeable, and that mm -hmm. representative will vote for, um, you know, the 
whoever's running for president. Listen, I'm, I obviously didn't live during that time. I don't know yeah. if that was a good decision for them or not, but I feel like at this point, it's, you know, nobody wants electoral college. That's the thing. Nobody uh, wants it. I agree. Because <laughs> um, people now, I mean, it's the age of the internet. It's the age of information. People can get information. Whether it's good information or not, that's something that we can debate later. But I think that, you know, people should be able to vote for themselves. And then here's the important question I think that people need to start asking is, is representative government really representative? I mean, the people in power are no longer people that are, you know, commoners. They're not like us. They don't know what we want. They don't know, you know, what we're voting for. And so I think that's why in the 2016 election, Hillary Clinton won the popular vote, but lost electoral college. And it's because you know, the people representing us aren't really representing us. Um, and I feel like we should revert to a system of popular democracy and get rid of the electoral college. I agree. I think what people, a lot of people don't know, because a lot of people, at least in our age, I feel like, don't really know what the electoral college is um, until we get to like your junior year of high school where you learn about it in history. I think that it's because we aren't voting directly. We're voting for other people to vote for us. And just thinking about that, it doesn't make sense, especially now, because maybe back then, like you said, everyone was the same. Everyone was kind of like in the same boat. They were all commoners. No one had former experience. And I get that they were like, we're, we need to have someone that's more skilled so we don't end up with that herd mentality. But at the same time, now in 2020, and even in 2016, and even in the uh, earlier 2000s, like it just, the fact that we are in the age of technology and we have so much ability to know what we want and to understand politics and to understand candidates. And I just think that everyone who votes now Hopefully everyone will vote in the election, in the 2020 election, but yeah. everyone who votes will, they kind of, we know <laughs> that, um, we know like what Biden stands for and we know what Trump stands for. So I don't think it's really needed for someone to go and uh, vote for another person. And I just also think it's also very strange that the electoral votes um, are designated by kind of how big your state is or how many representatives your state it has. I think that popular vote just makes so much more sense. <laughs> mm -hmm. um, I think a really interesting thing to bring up here, because we were talking about representatives and um, people in power will want to keep their power. That's the whole yes. like purpose of the establishment, of the democratic establishment, of the Republican establishment, whatever it is, the people that we vote into power, our electors, they will want to keep their power. They will want to maintain the establishment, the status quo. So when you have a candidate like Bernie, who has policies that are really, really popular. People want Medicare for all. They want a public option. People want free college. People want more progressive policies. But you have a candidate like Bernie who doesn't intend on maintaining the status quo. What happens is he gets pushed out and we end up with a candidate like Biden. And this happened in 2016 where the DNC got rid of him they colluded with Hillary to get rid of Bernie and they pushed Hillary into the elect, um, candidate spot in instead. And then this happened again recently where a bunch of, you know, Democrats, well-known Democrats and a, a lot of people, I'm, I'm not going to put it entirely on the Democrats because a lot of um, people themselves did this as well, but people within the establishment tried to push for Biden and yeah, okay, we got Biden and now what? Trump's probably going to win. That's, you know, like, 
when we're voting for our electors, keep in mind that they are not like us. They do not want what we want. There are there are a few of them, you know, like, you know, AOC, uh, Ilhan Omar, uh, they might want some of the policies you want, but for the majority of them, they just want to maintain the status quo. That's the reason we keep getting candidates like Hillary and Biden that people don't really want people want someone like Bernie, but it's it's just the establishment maintaining its own power and creating like this insular circle where only people within the establishment can get voted into higher office. Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, you did tell me that I do have a point here about progressive candidates and how we did kind of like we did have Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders who are both a little bit more progressive and then ended up getting Biden who I mean vote blue no matter who <laughs> but uh, it's his brain is melting but go on <laughs> <laughs> I mean I heard that I hear that from both sides um mm-hmm. but yeah no it's no I mean I as a as a Democrat who cannot vote because I am not old enough but like as a you know I just Biden um I don't have much problem with Biden. I didn't have much problem with Bernie. I think anyone is better than Trump. But <laughs> I do, I can see how Bernie was, Bernie, people, a lot of people called, I mean, Bernie was more of a socialist and he had all these views about getting us free college and free healthcare, which is obvious, they're obviously very popular views and views that we definitely want nowadays because it's, healthcare is expensive and college is expensive and it's, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting and mm-hmm. it's, to see how our country keeps going for candidates like Hillary and keeps going for candidates like Biden instead of people who are going to take us to a more, like you said, like a more second progressive era. I've seen some really interesting arguments about how America is continuously shifting more and more and more to the right. And so what Bernie's pushing for, I mean, Bernie himself calls himself a social Democrat Mm -hmm. um, and his policies that he's pushing for, I I understand that, you know, they lean towards socialism, but it's common sense. And I'll tell you why. It's because all these other, you know, I hesitate to say the word developed because the whole developed, underdeveloped, developing nations thing was, is based on a whole colonial mindset. But, um, you know, countries in Western Europe have, you know, similar GDPs to ours who are, um, have much better living situations, much better standards of living, um, are, you know, on par with us, developed first world nations, right? They have these programs. I have a friend who lives in the UK. He pays $1,750 for college each year. That's it. Wow. He goes to a university. It's not community college. He goes to university. He's paying 1.7K a year. I am facing a 5.6K charge for community college. It's ridiculous. And they have, they have public health care options. I mean, you look at the UK, you look at France, Germany, uh, Denmark, Sweden, the Netherlands, Canada, all these sorts of nations that are on par with us are doing so much better than us. And yeah, maybe they have their GDPs are a little bit lower than ours, but that doesn't indicate whether a country is better or not. They have better programs. They have a better you know, standard of living for their population. Their people are generally happier. I mean, what Finland was recently they did a study that said Finland was the happiest country on earth (laughs) like and then look at us people are dying because they can't get access to Medicare there was that graph going around of like um uh people in each nation that lost healthcare coverage due to COVID-19 a bunch of these first world countries zero U.S. giant pink ones it's insane it's absolutely insane and these policies like people are pushing against them for no other reason other than 
they're socialist. Okay. I know. I know. People are so sense. against socialism and it's, it's, it, yeah. Cause they're definitely common sense. And I understand like when you think about these policies because of where our country is, it's going to be hard because we're already so much debt, but it'll, it's going to be hard to get there, but we can get there and it would be so much better if, we, but mm. there's so many people that don't get that kind of healthcare. And right now we're in a, a global pandemic. And healthcare, it is impossible to get a test for for coronavirus, which should be like we should be initiating tests so easily. It's I don't know why it's impossible to get a test. And it's college, like you said, you have to you have to pay so much more for community college than someone in the UK does for real for just a real university. Like we want our kids to go to our college. We want our kids to have free healthcare and to be safe and to be able to cover hospital bills. And when yeah. you know, it's just. It's you're right. It's common sense. We should have these things, but we don't. I mean, it's not even it's not even a communist versus capitalist thing. You look at a country like South Korea; they cleaned up COVID very effectively. Vietnam cleaned up COVID very effectively. They got rid of it really fast because the first of all, the people actually listened to their government and didn't mm-hmm. make up crazy conspiracy theories about how masks are muzzles or something stupid like that. Yeah. Um, and their government was able to provide accurate and fast testing and they have good healthcare systems there. I mean, and by the way, the people that claim that these sorts of policies are, are socialist and they're going to lead to Marxist America, they've never read Marx a day in their lives. They, I guarantee you, I could go up to them and be like, hey, what's conflict theory? And they would absolutely not know what I was talking about. They're, ap- they're uneducated. They don't know what Marxism is. They don't know what socialism is. They don't know what communism is. These sorts of policies in which we're advocating for some form of social democracy or democratic socialism, you know, where we have people voting for to, you know, to institute these policies. It's not socialist. No one's advocating for a complete government takeover. No one's advocating for, you know, the, um, to, for the state to own the means of production. Nobody's advocating for that. All we want is a public health care option and free college. Like- it becomes a big socialism versus capitalism debate. We're talking about countries cleaning up COVID really fast. And that just doesn't, that doesn't just have to do with free health care. That just has to do with better government policy and less conspiracy theories. Like I know mm-hmm. um, New Zealand, their prime minister was able to shut down the country extremely fast and mm-hmm. they have no COVID. Just because we have people that, a large community of people that don't, first of all, don't believe in coronavirus, which is absurd, won't wear masks. You know, we've all seen the Karens of the oh, United God. States where they will just, you know, like lick um, public buildings because <laughs> they don't want to wear masks, which is, it's, it's insane. We have people who, we have Trump who barely wears a mask. Also, who's just deliberately calling it the invisible China virus which I don't think does anything for our country. If you're going to, first of all, Kung flu, China virus, blaming it on, on China, blaming it on the left, the radical left, it's like, <laughs> it doesn't do anything. It's not taking away coronavirus. We still have the most, we have the most COVID in, out of every country in the entire world. When you list it off, all these horrible ways he's handled coronavirus, it just sounds like, it sounds like I'm joking. It sounds like I'm exaggerating. Like, mm-hmm. I'm, it, it doesn't make any sense. <laughs> yeah, putting the blatant racism aside, just the- Kung- Yeah, the fact oh that you're calling God. it the Kung flu, which is yeah. extremely racist. I mean, I understand we've had a history of racist um, names for diseases because of mm-hmm. where they've originated. I know the Spanish flu, it's 2020. And we have 
multiple names for a coronavirus. You can call it COVID, you can call it corona, you can call it anything <laughs> but the China virus and it'll be fine. Like, yeah. Um, yeah, just to like putting aside the blatant racism, it's absolutely ridiculous. His approval ratings, by the way, for COVID are up. It's like a something that around, make sense. oh my God, I think it was like 50 to 60% because oh here's the thing, these people don't believe in COVID. And so what they see is a president who's confirming their belief that these BS maps floating around and it's like um, total COVID cases. And then it's just the population mm-hmm. density map. There's some psycho people that believe that um, 5G towers are spreading the COVID. What? And it's like 5G are emitting it. Yeah, because 5G like came out around the same time that Corona did. And so they're like, oh, correlation must equal causation. So they had a map of like 5G towers, which is based on population density, because obviously cell phone companies want to put 5G towers where the most people are. And they're Mm -hmm. spreading that around. Like it's, oh, it's absolute proof that 5G towers are spreading Corona. I have a friend in Michigan, by the way, who um, is like very confused views because there's people like me and other people that she knows that live in states other than Michigan that are posting like wear your mask COVID is Mm -hmm. real and then all her friends are like COVID's fake so she's oh no she's telling you about how it's like it's very confusing for her interestingly enough right I took a political science course Mm -hmm. last summer I think yeah it was last summer and um our our Professor was talking about, you know, rates of re-election because we were going over um, the very few presidents that have only had one term in office. And our professor was saying, unfortunately, you know, as much as we would like to vote Trump out, it's very likely that he'll get a second term because it's very, very, very rare that presidents don't get a second term. And the only way that he would not be able to get a second term is if he did something horribly wrong or he handled the situation horribly wrong. And that proved to everybody that he was inept and shouldn't be in office. And it's hilarious because there is this situation. He that is handling handled horribly, horribly wrong. wrong and his supporters are still supporting him. And I think that has a lot to do with the almost cult of personality that Trump has fostered around him because he sets everything up in a very sort of insular called circular logic. It's self-assuring logic, right? Because he makes a claim and then says, this is something that the Democrats don't want you to know. This is something that nobody wants you to know. And then when people try to speak out against it and say, this is fake, this is wrong, uh, when PolitiFact, you know, says it's wrong or when uh, people, when Twitter has those things, they're like, this is fake, this is, um, no, yeah, this is, this, made, this information has been fact-checked or whatever, mm-hmm. yeah. And people will say, oh, see, that's proof that they don't want us to know about this. And oh that really yes. his claim that he made. So it goes over and over in circles. And so Trump will say something like, oh, COVID isn't real, or um, it's just another version of the flu. And if anybody tells you otherwise, they just don't want you to know the real things about COVID because um, Democrats are trying to make me look bad so they'll win the re-election or something like that. People will see people speaking out against COVID and be like, oh, see, Trump said it would happen. And then they Uh believe him and it goes over and over and over again. And so even though we've had the most deaths by country and the most deaths per capita, last I checked, we had the most deaths per capita, people are still supporting Trump. And it's absolutely it's it's BS. It's it's absolutely it insanity, it whatever you want to call it. It's it, there was that whole thing where he claimed that Trump was born. Uh, sorry, that uh, Obama was born. In we are all yes. Obama was born, and that he's a US. Muslim. First mm-hmm. of all, the whole thing of insinuating that a Muslim being in office would be a bad idea is just inherently Islamophobic. But 
you know, whatever, putting that aside, the, the whole thing of him having been born in Kenya, right? Mm-hmm. People believed it and spread it around like wildfire. And what happened was when you asked them, oh, do you have any proof? They'd say, well, no, but, you know, it, Trump said it, I believe it, things like that, right? And it's like, mm-hmm. well, you know, he isn't really an American. He isn't really a Christian American, whatever, whatever. And it's like, okay, well, you know, uh, they have proof that he was born in America, that he was born in Hawaii, I believe, and they have his birth certificate. And they'd say, no, 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 the birth certificate is forged. And they oh. said, okay, well, do you want uh, to yeah. talk to the doctors or his mother? No, 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 they're in on it, they're in on it. Well, it's like, okay, so you don't have any evidence to back up your claim, but also you're going to de- you're gonna deny any evidence that refutes your claim. And so you're stuck in this thing where you have this absolutely baseless claim and you're not going to change your opinion because you shut down anything that isn't you know that doesn't align with your opinion that is just such a baseless claim that trump you know made not even when he was president i mean when he was president but not even when trump was president he made Mm -hmm. this years ago and this was just the beginning of the fact that he you know even as like whatever he was the host of a reality tv show it was a big businessman and people were still believing him then and now they believe him even more now and the fact that we put our president in office who literally was the person who initiated that (laughs) that Mm -hmm. rumor and who still makes rumors the whole point of our discussion here is we shouldn't have someone who feeds conspiracy theories it is also very appalling to see that his followers still believe in conspiracy theories and that so many of them will just the next one he lists off he will they'll just go right for it you know with i mean it's i just wish people would read i genuinely just wish people would read i feel like that would fix most of our problems if people just learned how to research things um and like look at objective sources and look at the experts and look at you know historical precedent look at data look at anything um yeah (laughs) so uh, i think one of the last topics we'll do will be cancel culture and i only want to bring this up it's not very it's not political but it's a little bit political it's only it just has to do with kind of our generation because i feel like we're kind of the frontliners of cancel culture um we will cancel anyone and do you think cancel culture works so here's the thing right people will get canceled that's not the 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 question isn't will people get canceled or not yeah twitter will absolutely go ham on people if they slip up you know there was a whole thing recently with shane and jeffrey and tati oh yeah we um, yeah yeah um and well i mean shane dawson should be canceled (laughs) oh pedophile but whatever um, and, you know, to lean more politically, I think that there, you know, people will get canceled for doing dumb political stuff. Um, but is cancel culture real in terms of, is it long lasting? That's what I was, is. that's what I'm kind of wondering. Yeah. Cancel culture is basically a way of shaming people into accountability. Mm-hmm. Do I agree with the whole shaming thing? No. But also, is it the only way that gets things done? Yes. People like Louis C.K., you know, he got canceled. He's still doing venues. And um, people like, who was it, Kevin Hart didn't get to host the Oscars. He's oh, yep. still doing venues. And He's doing people very like that, well. Oh, yeah. People in power need to be held accountable. And for the, for the longest time, for the longest time, people weren't holding them accountable because people didn't have a voice. And now that we have apps like Twitter where common folk can interact with the people in power. <laughs> common folk, yes. Yeah, we can hold these people accountable. Now mm-hmm. that we have, you know, um, mass 
um, communication, you can say, oh, boycott this or boycott that or uh, don't support this celebrity or do support that celebrity, whatever, right? And so I think cancel culture is just a way of the people trying to hold celebrities accountable. It, the problem is it doesn't last. It's, it's yes. because we shame them into apologizing and then after they apologize, it's over and there's no long-term accountability. It's, I'll give an example of the most recent one, Jeffree Star. We shamed him into accountability a couple of years back and he made that apology video and then we shamed him into accountability again and he made that most recent video talking about, yeah. um, you know, he's sorry for, you know, saying the N-word, but he didn't even actually apologize, but whatever. Um, and we will shame people into saying sorry, into taking accountability with heavy air quotes, um, but it doesn't have any long-term effect. I think it's really interesting because we definitely should, celebrities should take accountability. I think there's a, a part of cancel culture that involves uh, people with too much time on their hands <laughs> digging up things that happened 10 years ago. Oh, and yeah. Obviously, there are, there are people that are still like that and people doing blackface in the past. Like, that's not, that's not acceptable. But also the fact that some of these things happened a really long time ago and these people may not be the same like mm -hmm. there's always that and I'm not saying everyone is the same I'm just saying that sometimes cancel culture is just a way to like you know make a celebrity's name trending and it then you know for something they did 10 years ago 20 years oh, ago yeah. and, and but there's also the fact that I agree it doesn't last that how many times have we canceled Shane Dawson and he, he's coming <laughs> back and you know how many times has he made inappropriate racist and pedophilic comic comments and still he's still a, you know oh sure he lost like two million subscribers on YouTube like that doesn't or I YouTube may have taken his 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 page down I don't know for how long if it's still down but I know Jeffree Star lost like three million subscribers and he's still at a grand total of 16 million so like it doesn't mm -hmm. it doesn't do anything it maybe some of the population will you know get up there and be like i'm gonna unfollow jeffree star and hopefully everyone follows me but and then there's also like cancel culture around rapists and i mm -hmm. think that in some cases it has done things like when kevin spacey came out when someone came out and accused kevin spacey of rape and he ended up um they ended up refilming a movie i don't remember what it was um mm -hmm with him and taking him out these people do they they issue apologies from their notepads um oh, yeah. and they put it on their instagram pages and then we're all like well you're not forgiven but now we're not talking about it anymore so you're allowed mm -hmm. to do whatever you want so like yeah. people maybe people won't forgive them after they get canceled but they still exist it's not like we're really taking any action all we're doing is saying like Ansel Elgort is over party or, you know, hashtag cancel whoever and their name starts trending on Instagram and on Twitter. And it's just, it's a big thing until it's not. Mm -hmm. I think I just, that we need to come up with a society as more sustain, uh, sorry, as um, we need to come up with a society with more sustainable forms of either cancellation or um, accountability. And so cancellation, I think, should be reserved for people that are truly disgusting, like Harvey mm -hmm. Weinstein, Kevin Spacey, Ansel Elgort, whoever the hell it is, you know, that, you know, like, I don't think you can come back after rape. I don't think you no, can come I back after so. rape. Yeah. So cancellation I mean, should be reserved for people like that. Mm -hmm. um, and like repeated racists, like t someone tell me why the hell David Duke has a Twitter, but whatever. Um, David Duke has a Twitter? Yeah. Don't wow. remember, like, yeah, and then he like was retweeting or liking a bunch of Donald Trump stuff, and well, of course he is. He's yeah, too. of course. <laughs> um, and so like people that are 
truly, truly terrible should be canceled. Um, I think but we need to come up with a way to institute accountability that is sustainable mm -hmm. insofar as it's long term. I don't want to see another celebrity make a stupid video about, oh my God, guys, I'm so sorry about what I did, but like, I'm just really misunderstood. Because when people are shamed into something, they just double down on it. When people yeah. are shamed into something, they just think, oh, wow, look at that. All of these hordes of people attacking me. Clearly, it means that I'm right and they just want to silence me. So we need to come up with ways to be more empathetic and, you know, really try to reach these celebrities or people in power and be like, hey, what you did is wrong and here's why. And we need to make them understand that so that they can change for the better. My final thing I want to talk to you about is I know you mentioned you used to have more conservative views. Mm -hmm. um, that, that So, and now, like you said, you lean a little bit more to the left. So I want to kind of, I want to ask you like, where did you make this change? Like, why did you decide to move Mm -hmm. And why did your views change sort of thing? Yeah. So um, I feel like we need to go into some personal history for this. So I'll try to make it really brief. I didn't have internet growing up at all. Mm -hmm. And the only internet access I would get was um, when I would either go to the library to do schoolwork or I would go to like, you know, family members' houses because they would have mm -hmm. internet. And so I had limited internet access. And what happened in around 2016, 17 is um, as I got into SOSIS and I, you know, started moving up in grades, I started having more internet-based work. I would get more access to the internet. And the problem is that I did this right around the time that um, Gamergate happened or Gamergate ended. And if you don't know what that is, it was this whole controversy um, over gamers um, and quote unquote ethics and journalism, but it was just gamers getting upset about feminism. And oh. <laughs> um, yeah. And a lot of and a lot of feminists, like I think I think you remember the era where it was like crazy feminist gets owned by Ben Shapiro, liberal. Yes, owned, that, yes, that I do remember stuff, that era. Right? Yeah. And so in a post-gamergate era, it was really, really hard to avoid politics. And that was when I started using the internet more. And so I fell into this sort of you know political rabbit hole. And um, I would watch a lot of Ben Shapiro. I would listen to his podcast all the time. I watched, ugh, it makes me shudder to even think about, but I watched a lot of like uh, Steven Crowder. I watched a lot of, um, I didn't listen to Charlie Kirk as much because that guy was blatant racist, but you know, people like that. And I fell into this like conservative rabbit hole and it was really, really hard to get out because again, like what I was talking about earlier with that circular logic, that's the mm -hmm. exact same thing that all these right wing pundits use. It's circular logic. Um, and so I was a conservative for about what, two, two and a half years. And I never really was that vocal with my views, but I did, you know, occasionally talk about politics with some of my friends. And luckily, luckily for me, I, you know, not only are being California, which is a blue state, but I had a lot of friends that were leftists. And so they would try to constantly like challenge my views and be like, you know, why do you believe this? Why do you believe this? Where's your evidence for this? And so through that process, I realized that I didn't really have a lot of evidence. I just was kind of repeating stuff that I heard from these, you know, reactionary commentators on the right. Mm -hmm. And so that was when I started doing my research. And I would say that was about, you know, 2019-ish. Um, yeah, like beginning to middle of 2019, I started doing genuine research and started seeing like, you know, what do I believe? Why do I believe it? Where's my evidence? Things like that. And gradually over time, I started leaning more and more to the left. And then with the presidential election, 
coming into the news more often and hearing talk about like Bernie and Warren and Biden and Klobuchar to end up watching a lot of news. And then I had, you know, a push. We ended up talking about politics um, to you know, a fair degree. And in my economics class, we had to watch the presidential debates for um, extra credit. And so I ended up watching these debates, I ended up researching more and more and more and more. And now, you know, I'm fully a leftist. And I've heard this story from many, many, many people, because at, you know, during that 2017 era, it was really, really easy to fall into right-wing politics and really, really mm -hmm. hard to get out of it. And now people are starting to realize this is kind of stupid. Mm -hmm. And I've seen a lot of people that went from, you know, being conservatives to now being, you know, full-blown leftists. And I, really, yeah. I, I admire that. And I hope that trend continues because I think we just need more people that are educated. And I'm not saying, I'm not, I, let me let me get really clear for a second. I'm not saying that conservatives are inherently uneducated. Mm -hmm. So with that, I want to say thank you for coming here. I have been Maddie uh -huh. Michelle, your um, host of Left, Right, and, and In Between, which will air on Podbean, the app, and Apple Podcasts, and maybe one day Spotify. 